Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 299. Oh, jeez. Uh, joining us this week, the newest member of the Third Timers Club, uh, OD Sports Reporter, GFOP Ben Burnell is back as we talk about March Madness, about the Utica Comets, uh, about Prince. A lot of Prince conversation with He's a Minnesota man, so we're always talking about Prince, any opportunity we get. Uh, also this week, we'll talk a little bit about the Grammys, about the Oscars, uh, talk a little bit about the Syracuse Orangemen. We'll talk about uh, Netflix, stimulus payments, little history lessons, uh, bad airplane behavior, a uh, little doomsday report makes a return, all of that, folks, and so, so much more. As always, we are happy, ecstatic, stunned beyond belief that you decided to come and join us for another episode of the Uticast. Oh, yes. start to today mm. and it's thrown my whole day off i feel like i've been chasing it because <laughs> you are very much a creature of rhythm habit yes and uh, i know that you get thrown off kilter at uh any kind of shakeup. so yeah i can imagine i like routine i was talking about this to somebody last mm-hmm. week um and i think that that's like a thing that people think is not good to get no no that, that's a good thing Really, I feel like people don't like when you're too caught up in an, you, a routine. I, look, I can understand the notion of, like, you know, if somebody wants to say, like, oh, you know, it's just stuck in a routine, stuck like that kind of thing, I sort of get. But, like, at the end of the day, to be productive and to be disciplined, like, you've got to have a routine. You know, humans crave routine, and I think it's probably good for you to have, uh, you know, routines to get into. I don't think that's a negative. I'm not saying necessarily that it's a negative, but I think that some people feel like it's dangerous to fall into too much of a routine. I feel like I flourish in the in in the constraints of a routine, if that makes yeah, any yeah. sense. I, yeah. Because otherwise, and this is the problem with like uh, you know not the problem with education, but sort of the curse of education is like mm-hmm. when you come home from your job teaching, mm-hmm. you still think about what you did all day with your students, or you may have homework to work. Like, it, the job sometimes doesn't turn itself off naturally. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of jobs like that that come home with you. Where it's oh, not for sure, just like, for oh, sure. Five o'clock. Teaching is just the first one that comes to my mind for my Teaching's example, just the one that you do, right? Yeah. But. I'm sure there's tons of jobs that are really hard to shut off. And sometimes having those constraints makes it easier to sort of disconnect from your job and allow yourself that recovery time. That's fair. That's just my thought. Mm. And I think that my, uh, I think that's what's been driving me nuts over the last year is my lack of any real consistent routine oh, besides yeah. just being a Wait, slug. you didn't know? I'm certainly. Oh man, I could have told you. I certainly know. Yeah, yeah. It's just look. Sometimes, and we're going to talk about another segment later. That's like mm. one of those yeah duh segments. Yeah. But sometimes I think uh, putting those conversations in uh, in words that are understandable and easy to digest for people can help them understand things they might not have seen before. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think so much of the human experience is trying to find the language for the the feelings that yeah. are already. You know, in the head and to further elucidate the point. So that's always productive as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, I mean, I can tell. I know you really well. And you are a creature of habit and routine. And you like to get in your zone. And I can see, you know what I mean? Like with this last year, I think there's a lot of people craving some structure and some routine and some, 
you know, not the monotonous routine of every day being exactly the same because everybody's been stuck at home for a year. But, you know, the structure of this is what I do because this is Monday, not like, oh, what month is it? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I think, too, you know, I've also been a... I have a bad habit, too, I think. And this is just like a life thing. Mm. I uh, I get burned out on things after a while. Mm. Right? Like, I think I just get to a point sometimes. Uh, what do you mean? That's an interesting thought. Like, I remember... I'll give... Carmine's is a good example, right? Okay. I liked my job at Carmine's. Mm-hmm. I even to this day, I still have a nice relationship with the folks I know at Carbines. They treated me really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made decent money, helped me pay through college, right? Sure. But I remember, like, after a certain point of time working there, a couple years, the first time I was there, mm-hmm. I just got to a point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I've I've maxed out my my ability to be good at this job. Mm-hmm. I, I've lost my ability, and I had to leave. I had to go try and find the new job. Mm-hmm. And uh, spoiler alert: when I did, that all fell apart, and I had to go hat in hand back to Carmine sure. and say, please give me my job sure, back. Sure. Uh, and I paid the price for that because I lost, like, good waiter shifts. That's, like, a weird waiter thing. Like, you mm. lose your shifts after a while if you don't. Definitely. Um, but, but yeah, I think that, and that's, and I thought I would like the, the, the solitude of, like, taking a little time off, and I hate it. I, mm. I hate it so much. Well, there's a difference between a little time off and, like, yeah. a year, practically, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, welcome back to the show, folks, by the way. Episode 299. Mm-hmm. Inching uh, ever closer. Inching ever closer. Joining us for his third time on the podcast, uh, Utica Observer Dispatch sports reporter Ben Burnell. Joining us to discuss uh, March Madness, Utica Comet stuff, uh, a lot of Minnesota sports. He's from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And we we're actually, it's funny, we were talking about it. Um, GFOP uh, Justin Parkinson in Baden Utica told me this morning that he just watched Purple Rain. So mm. I was thinking about Purple Rain this morning and Prince. And then, of course, Ben Burnell, Minnesota native, spent a lot of time talking about how he just got Purple Rain on vinyl. So now I got tons of Prince stuck in my head all day. Mm. And as a guy from Minnesota, you know, Ben, we were talking about this. Uh, I feel like he, I asked him, I was like, is Prince the predominant, like, Minnesota band? And he said, no, it's Bob Dylan. I didn't know Bob Dylan was from Minnesota. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah, would. I prefer. I prefer Prince to Bob Dylan. If you had to ask me, who's like the definitive New York band? Is it like the New York Dolls or something? It's certainly not the New York Dolls. Um, <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm just so, so no, certainly not the New York Dolls. I would say New York. I mean, isn't like Billy Joel from New York? Billy Joel, like I suppose. Joel. What else? There's got to be somebody down there. <laughs> it's not the New York Dolls. It's not the. <laughs> New York, it's not the New York Dolls. But like. Uh, I'm just going to type it in, see what happens. Most prominent New York band. Mm-hmm. Little, we're doing a little live podcast. Doing a little live, oh. doing a little live podcasting. Uh, oh, I put moat. That's no good. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll try and find it for the break. I'll see. Yeah, I would imagine... I don't know. New York kind of weirdly doesn't have like this... I feel like it doesn't have the same mystique for bands that other places do. There's just because there's so much, so much. It's not that it's not that other places have this mystique that New York doesn't have. It's just that like, if you're some legendary band that comes out of Minnesota, you're like the only legendary band, or one of like maybe two or three if it's a large <laughs> enough area. But like with a New York and a Los Angeles, I mean, how many California bands are there? How many London bands? No, are it's there? true. It's true. A billion. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so speaking of music, uh, I watched none of it last night, and I'll, we'll talk about why I watched none of it last night in a minute. Uh, the 63rd Annual Grammy Awards were held last night on CBS. Mm. Uh, did not watch any of it, so I'm not going to go in-depth on any thoughts about the Great. show Great. or I the performances. It. I love it. Uh, I've heard from reviews that people said it was actually quite good. Mm. People said, that, I would like to, 
I went looking honestly on YouTube this morning to just see if I could find like the the actual performances. Oh, never. Yeah, never, you would never, think, ever. Well, you would think that like the Grammys YouTube page would put them mm-hmm. up, but for hits oh. like content, but apparently oh, not. Uh, but I heard it was good from what a lot of people were saying. Uh, I'll just give you some of the winners because I don't have any takes on it. Record of the year is "Everything I Wanted" by Billie Eilish. Mm. Really? Oh, you got me on that Black Pumas band. They got nominated for this. So. That's cool. I didn't see that. I didn't even look at any of the nominations. Yeah, Record of the like, Year, yeah. Beyonce, uh, Black Pumas, Baby, who I've talked about mm. in jest a lot. Apparently he's legit. Uh, Doja Cat, which I didn't think was a real thing. Apparently yeah, she's yeah. a legit no, She got big off that. She had the cow. <laughs> the cow. You only think about the cow. You only think yeah, about no, the Doja cow. Cat's huge. Uh, D- uh, Dua Lipa is weird for folks who watch soccer because she showed up like the World Cup Last time they had it and gave a really, like, sleepy, lackluster, I don't really want to be here performance. A lot of people do that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Post Malone and Megan The Stallion all nominated. She probably should have won. Uh, she won something. Best New Artist. Mm. Which is always such a weird category, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, album of the Year, Folklore, Taylor Swift, which is, I'm sure that I, I don't know much about the other albums, but this is the album I've heard more people talk about than any other album that came out last year. Yeah, I'm looking at the list right now. I heard a bit about the, the Dua Lipa... Um, and the I Black, like Black Pumas, my guys, that's pretty cool. I like that group. I like I, him. I can't tell if that's a guy or a band. <laughs> I don't you know. Because I think I saw a video and I think it might just be one fella calling himself Black Pumas, plural. Uh, I like Haim, but I don't like this particular Haim album as much. So I'm kind of surprised. Haim has got big time, you know the HBO show Girls? Yeah. Got big girls energy. Where it's like it came out swinging and then it was kind of exposed after yeah. a little while. And yeah. people were like, ah, oh, this isn't um, quite as twee as we thought it was. Let me get down to a couple uh, interesting categories here. Best New Artist, Megan Thee Stallion, as I mentioned, winner. Mm. Also people uh, nominated Ingrid Andrus, never heard. Phoebe Bridgers, who mm. SNL put me up on. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Noah Cyrus, which I assume is Miley Cyrus's brother, sister. Not something. to be confused with the other, the other one that she also has. Yeah. They got mad siblings out uh, there now. D Smoke, Doja Cat. And mm-hmm. Kay Tronada, which I actually put a track from on this week's list because I listened to... Well, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. I'm uh, not doing pop solo performance. That doesn't feel like anything. So that this is my other issue with the Grammys because I started looking through some of these. What distinguishes traditional pop vocal album from pop vocal album? Uh, simple. So I'm looking at traditional pop vocal album and it was James Taylor American who Stanford. beat out Burt Bacharach, <laughs> Harry Connick Jr., Rufus Wainwright, and Renee Zellweger. <laughs> That's different than Doja Cat. It seems like... Jay, such... You can't put James Taylor and Megan Thee Stallion in the same category. Yeah. So it's basically best pop, best like traditional pop yeah. means best like, best song your mom and grandma like. Best grandparents song. Yeah, like best, best parents, <laughs> older parents into grandparents uh, songs. Best dance recording, 10% by mm. Kay Trinata featuring Kaylee Uchius, which I put on this week's list because it's all right. I like a dance track. There you go. Uh, and Bubba by Kay Trinata won best dance electronic album. I never mm. heard of this person. But I'm in on them because they won today. Them. Till today. Mm. Best rock performance, Kevin. Are you ready? It's Shamika by Fiona Apple, who I think, I, I could be wrong here, but I think she was like boycotting performing. I think it. she's been boycotting yeah. the Grammys, yeah, for a long time. Best metal performance, the band Body Count. Their song, Bum Rush. <laughs> Sounds oh. like. <laughs> and best rock song, uh, Stay High by Brittany Howard. Hey, come on, Brittany. Come on, Brittany. Uh, yeah, I mean. The Strokes won Best Rock Album. You know what's weird, though? I, I don't know. All the categories feel very strange to me. Best Alternative Music Album is different than Best Rock Album. I get that. Yep. Best R&B Performance. Best Traditional R&B Same Performance. Same thing the old folks. Yeah, old folks. Yeah, yeah. Best Progressive R&B Album as opposed to Best Regular R&B Album. What's that the difference sense. there? 
I'm glad Thundercat won something. So look at the winners. Again, the winner <laughs> of progressive R&B album is Thundercat. Yeah, Thundercat. Best R&B album is John Legend. John Legend is music that your mom would like. Thundercat is music that would confuse your mom. So best rap, <laughs> best rap performance, Savage, Megan Thee Stallion featuring Beyonce. Mm-hmm. Best melodic rap performance, Lockdown, Anderson Pac. I think I sort of understand what's I going see. on. I you think I'm starting to see what's on. going on here. Huh. Yeah. Oh wow. Nas won best rap album. I didn't even know Nas had an album out this year. There you go. Good for you. Do you? I also noticed this. Wow. In, Royce the five nine. Royce the finally five, getting his nod. Do you feel like older artists get like an, an un like unfair advantage sometimes? Like Nas has all been the around time. all the time. All right? the time. Yeah. That, that's been the beat yeah. on the Grammys for like twenty five years. Yeah. Like I'm not to say that this Nas album that I haven't listened to is bad or good. I've never listened to it. Maybe I'll go listen to it now. But I don't feel like this is no, that's, Nas. That's the whole beat. Uh, the whole <laughs> yeah. knock on the Grammys is that they just like only give credence to traditional, more traditional yeah. artists. Yeah. And... Uh, so yeah, there you go. Grammys twenty twenty one. I heard the performances were good. Nothing really sticks out for me mm. as like anything. I heard the performances are good, but you can't watch them. You can't watch them. Yeah, uh... man, a lot of you know. Just as I'm leaving here, just as I'm pulling out here at the end. Best jazz instrumental album, okay? Mm. Trilogy 2 by Chick Corea, Christian McBride, and Brian Blade. I don't know much about this. I could be wrong. I feel like a guy like Chick Corea probably wins a Grammy every year for something like jazz instrumental album. Just cleaning up Grammys and no one really ever talks about it. Yeah, there's certainly people Do you know what I mean? Just like, my man must have like 40 Grammys. And people are like, oh yeah, whatever. Just another one. Just throw it on the pile for old Chick. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's move into the uh, the reason I didn't watch the Grammys last night, uh, because uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, which I decided to watch instead, was going off HBO Max. It was my last mm, chance had to, to get watch. it. You can get it. Had to get it while I can get it. And I'm not going to go too deep in the movie. We won't do spoilers because it's a historical movie. So if you want to know spoilers, just look up what happened to Fred Hampton. Spoilers: the cops did it. Cops did it. Yeah. Uh, but we were talking about it last night, and we, we again we won't spend too long on this. But it's just something we had mentioned last night. Who do you think the lead of that movie was? Mm. Was it was it uh, Daniel Kaluuya as Fred Hampton, or was it uh, Lakeith Stanfield as uh, William O'Neill? I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, Stanfield, probably. Yeah. Well, the Oscar nominations came out today, and both of them received Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actor. Mm. So my question for you is, who's the lead in that movie, then? Uh, <laughs> if it's not one of those two characters. White Supremacy? <laughs> um, yeah, Jesse Plemons. <laughs> I think they're just. I think everybody's trying to stay out of uh, Chadwick Boseman's way. That seems to be the, the yeah. prevailing narrative: is that no one wants to. It would be. It's a tough movie to ascribe a lead to because it's such a. You know what I mean? There's two to two and a half guys. You know, Plemons would probably be the supporting. I would say co-lead more than co-supporting. Yes. Yeah. Because you know, I, it's it's interesting though. It was a, I found uh, Judas and the Black Messiah to be a very tandem film there's a lot of movies like that where it's like these two actors together are kind of the lead as one well judas and the black messiah shoots immediately up to number one on my oscar rankings as it is the only oscar film that i've seen as is tradition as is tradition (laughs) uh i'll throw you the other names of the movies that are nominated if you have any thoughts the father i don't know what that is mank which i feel like i hear of mostly as a joke it's fincher right it's fincher right it's about how it's a fincher movie about Hollywood, which uh, means it's probably about as pretentious as it could get. But one of the things I've heard about it is like David Fincher loves stories about movies in Hollywood more than anything. Mm. So if he writes a story about Hollywood and movies, it's probably good. 
I do like Fincher. Uh, Minari, which I'm unfamiliar with, but people keep talking about. Same mm. with Nomadland. That's uh, Francis McDormand, I think. Nomadland? Yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, Promising Young Woman, mm. Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. There's your mm. Best Picture nominees. I don't know what almost any of that is. No, I mean, I guess I'll try and watch Mank before I inevitably get rid of Netflix. <laughs> right? Like, I... I don't know. I, I Nothing on here really speaks to me as something super... I am I just don't know what a lot of it is. Yeah. Is this is this year, new movies haven't really penetrated this yeah. year for like understanding what they're about. Yeah. You know what I mean? They give it Nomadland. I know that's Frances McDormand. I know mm-hmm. it's vaguely like she goes and like lives in like a van, mm-hmm. but that's... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're just not hearing as much about movies. Uh, what I liked about uh, Judas and the Black Messiah... Um, which I just, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it here for this. Because, uh, again, I think you should go watch it if it's something that's interesting to you. Is uh, I heard professional wrestler Big E you guys mm. uh, do an interview about this this week. And he was essentially talking about, you know, what's interesting about that movie is there's so many stories that don't get, uh, like, enough discussion or coverage in history, right? Like, we don't... None of my kids in, in high school probably know who Fred Hampton is, right? Sure. And when people do talk about the Black Panthers, or what we grew up knowing about the Black Panthers as kids was like, oh, they're a, they're an organization that's bad. They're a troublemaking organization, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was a really interesting to to see this movie and see these stories get, get put out there for a generation of people so they can look at the facts in this way, too. Uh, and speaking of Big E, there's a really interesting thing I just want to point people out to, this program that he started. You can go to kickstarter.com. The program is called Our Heroes Rock, and it's this television, like, hip-hop cartoon that he's doing to sort of bring air to, like, African-American stories, and it's really cool. Mm. Uh, and I would tell people to go donate to their Kickstarter for it, but they've already way passed over their uh, their goals for it. So go to uh, ourheroesrock.com to check out this, uh, this, this website uh, to shed some light on stories you may not already know about in history. Really mm. cool stuff, and Judas and the Black Messiah got me thinking about it last night. Uh, I thought the acting was oh incredible. God. Yeah. I thought it was really, really good performances all around. Um, as somebody who always really enjoys a great acting performance, mm-hmm. I thought it was a treat. I thought it was a great movie. Yeah, really great acting. Powerhouse performance stuff. Really, really good stuff. Uh, all right, let's move. I have one last uh, Netflix-related thing, and we'll, we'll move on to the last thing today. Uh, so Netflix this week has decided they are done with people sharing passwords on Netflix, and they've put essentially a form of two-factor authentication, the way that like a lot of websites do. Are you? Uh, you have any thoughts about Netflix cracking down on too sharing? Too cocky. Too cocky. Too cocky. It's too late. You got too many other people. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to get Peacock. Netflix. You can't what do you put mean? The, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. I no, under, it's too late. I'm not naive to why they're trying to do it. You mean like? And and one of the things that people talk about is like. Yeah, you can give your password to, like, your friend or whatever. But there's no guarantee your friend won't give that password to a million people. Like, sometimes people come back and find out that, like, multiple devices have been using your stream without you knowing it for a long time, right? Yeah, listen, if somebody's kind enough to to give you a password to a streaming oh, service yeah. for you to enjoy, if somebody's kind enough, you should protect that. Yeah. I think it's, I, I think it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's poor form. To be handing out a password that somebody else gave you. You know, you can share access, right? Like, I've got the HBO Max. Somebody was kind enough to give me the password. Mm-hmm. It's on the mm-hmm. TV, but I haven't relinquished the password. Because you can't relinquish the password. Never relinquished you know the password. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I, I was just saying to Ben on the interview this week uh, that I'm, I think, after, maybe after Stranger Things Season 4, mm. I think I'm going to pull the plug on Netflix. I think, Netflix. I think I've tapped out on Netflix. That's fine. I know I've talked about it before. 
Mm. Uh, this isn't like the thing that's going to push me over the edge. I just, I, I definitely spend too much money on these platforms. I know I'm going to have to sign up for Peacock. So, I'm... well, it becomes the thing. I mean, even if there's, you know, because there's, there's Netflix has got a ton of content and they keep putting out good content, but if you're not going to even Engage attempt it, to yeah. watch any of it, then, then why bother? And when I do tend to watch the streaming content, I do tend to watch the Prime and the Hulu and the HBO Max first at this point in time. I feel like they're also like kind of newer toys yeah. a little bit right yeah, now. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, it, well, it all depends, too. I mean, it depends on what kind of watcher you are. Like, if you're reaching for something and you're going to try to engage with something you've already seen before, just like to rewatch some stuff, then one of those platforms like Hulu probably is yeah. a stronger platform because a lot of that is just like reruns, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I don't know. I think just time has come for me to make some cuts. Too many streaming services. I've, I've, I've reached my limit, I think, mm. is what I'm getting at here. I'm not getting Paramount Plus, despite what Ben tells me he's getting. Mm. <laughs> uh, we we talk about it a little bit during the, the interview this week, so we won't spend too long on it. But surprisingly, uh, in defiance of anything that I expected, the Syracuse Orangemen somehow, some way, are back mm. uh, in the NCAA tournament, clinching the number 11 seed in the Midwest region. They take on the number 6 San Diego State team in their opening game on Friday, March 19th. I'll say this. I'm a Syracuse fan. I have a Syracuse Orangeman tattoo, so you can tell how serious I am about my orange, my Orangeman fandom. Uh, they have no business being in this tournament. They're not very good. I know that people love Buddy Bayheim. Shout out to Dano. I don't believe this team did enough with their 6-19 record, losing a bunch of close, crummy games in division, to make the tournament. That being said, I'm very happy they're in it. Mm. Happy to see more games for Cuse. And Syracuse historically does better when their expectations are disturbingly low. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, be, I mean, being happy to see them there is the only take, right? Because, like, every year in the tournament, 35% of the teams have no business being in it. Yes. You know what I mean? Point. So, yeah. Yeah. every year there's tons and tons of teams that have no business being in that tournament to make it in. So, there's no shame getting in. 11 yeah. seed. I mean, that's in there. So get in there and see what happens. Ride the hot hand. Shout out to all the New York schools outside of Syracuse who made the tournament, including uh, local favorite Colgate, who made it as a 14th seed and are sort of like an upset favorite. A lot of people are picking them to upset the number four seed that they're playing in the first round. I forget Mm. exactly who it is. I want to say Arkansas. Hmm. Uh, And then the surprising New York team from New Rochelle, Iona. The Gales. I'm here for you guys. The Iona Gales. So three New York teams, uh, I'm going to go put money on all three of them, see if anything exciting happens. There you go, betting boys. No, I was thinking about putting a long shot bet on just somebody. Like, mm. go just picking any team and being like, yeah, uh, Michigan to win the title. Like, just to have some interesting bet. I, You know, and by the way, folks, we did a, a, a what do you call, a, a bracket last year. And we got a lot of people who did the Yahoo bracket with us on mm. the Uticast bracket. I guess I'll set it up. This week, if I find, like, some free time on Tuesday or Wednesday. But I don't I'm not really excited to fill out a bracket because I didn't watch any games this year. Like, mm. I know that that's, like, a thing I usually am really gassed up for. Mm. I'll see what kind of response I get from people if I put a questionnaire up on, on Twitter. But I'm, yeah, I'm sure you'll get some people to go along. Somebody. Maybe get 10, 12 people. I'm not too worried about it. Yeah. Go Syracuse. All right. Uh, what else? So here's the explain it to me like I'm five section of the podcast. Kev, I've heard this term a lot over the last couple of days. Do you know what an NFT is and why people care about them? I, I need a little more context That's, than what? Uh, so apparently, again, this is me like not understanding something I'm seeing a lot of in the news. Uh, essentially, an NFT or a non-fungible uh, fungible token is a piece of digital content. This is sort of like what I've been talking to you about 
well, the NBA had this sort of, like, you can buy in on, like, GIFs of your favorite players. Mm. Uh, and it's essentially, like, uh, it's all, like, blockchain stuff. And I really don't understand it. And much like anything else, my big concern is with all these NFTs and all this, like, Bitcoin stuff, I feel like I'm missing out on something. Like, I missed out on taking advantage of the internet when we were younger. Am mm. I missing out on cryptocurrency? Are we missing out on something that could make us money? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it, like with anything else, it takes money to make money. Like, if you were to take money and and start trading mm-hmm. in various coins yeah. and start trading in some stuff like that, there's certainly money to be made. There's also money to be lost, but, I mean, yeah, that's a thing, but, you know, you got to have the money to put in, and it has to be money you're comfortable with losing because you might lose it because it's all still so nebulous. Yeah, recently, why this is coming to the news is uh, a lot of these NFTs are being used to buy and sell digital artwork, mm. uh, and recently, some of this artwork has gone for large amounts of money and it's bringing a lot of people into this oh wait a minute is there this way that i can take advantage of this burgeoning system and that's what i always look at now and i'm like we missed out on the internet i had a better chance to take advantage of the internet when i was like 18 years old i could have made it could have been a star baby uh all right so i'll move on from nfts i don't have the answers i'm sure somebody else does uh just real quickly folks should be checking their bank accounts as 1400 stimulus payments are already posting in some people's bank accounts You'll be damn sure I've been checking every Mm. day (laughs) to see if I got it. I have not yet. Mm. Uh, Also this week in similar COVID-related news, uh, Dr. Fauci was on Chris Wallace's Fox News Sunday this week uh, and pointed to surges across the European Union and warned that European case trends tend to be a few weeks ahead of the U.S. and that we uh, we shouldn't be declaring victory anytime soon, uh, that we should be aware that cases could go up based on trends. Any concerns, thoughts about that? Uh, he's right. I mean, yeah. yeah. People are out here acting wild. Like, it'll still... Uh, we're getting closer, but we're not there yet. Yeah, I think there is a there is a feeling that... There, and I said this to Ben in the interview, too. I, I think people are, right or wrong, under this impression that the light at the end of the tunnel is starting to show up. It is. It, it, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. And I think people are are not understanding that we're not there yet. We just see the light in the distance. Like, that doesn't mean... You should sprint headlong for it. Like, we still have to... Well, I think it's also um, coupled with the return of a little bit nicer weather. Yeah. Because this is a feeling that people get at this time of the year, every year, no matter what. So that, on top of the timing of the last year with the pandemic, Mm -hmm. is really kind of exacerbating that same annual effect that we see at this time every year where the weather starts to get nicer and everybody's sort of getting that, like, getting out of the cabin fever and getting uncooped and everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, all right, so let me get to this week's uh, Yeah, No Duh segment, but I kind of like this one. So uh, this is from CognitionToday.com, if you were were curious, and it's about procrastination. And the headline of the article, straightforwardly enough, is you procrastinate because of emotions, not laziness. And again, yeah, no duh. Mm. Uh, But a lot of times just the general concept of this is easier to grasp if you talk through it. A lot of times people think about procrastination as a issue with time management or laziness or like weak will, but a lot of times poor emotional regulation or failure of self-regulation causes people to procrastinate. It's not that people are lazy, it's that whatever the task is that you are about to do puts you in a bad mood or a bad physical or emotional state, and you want to repair that mood to feel better. Procrastinating is the gap between intention to work and the action Mm. to work. And it's a really interesting uh, concept is I never really thought about it in those terms before. Yeah. And uh, I've been thinking a lot about it ever since I read it. Mm. Because I think a lot of people are struggling with that concept in the, you know, in the time of quarantine, right? This, I'm sure procrastination levels are at an all-time high across mm. the country. 
Uh, and I, I'm sure that some people are considering, am I, is this me? Is there something wrong with me? I'm like a lazy piece of shit or something. No, a lot of it is just a reflection of your emotions and self-regulation. And again, cognitiontoday.com if you want to know more about this. I just, I really thought about this a lot after I, I read it. It sort of stuck with me. Mm. It's always interesting when you read something that like cracks your brain open a little bit and keeps you thinking for a while. You know yeah. what I mean? It's one of the best feelings <laughs> yeah. in the world when you read something that's like, oh, wow, this is really kind of expanding my thought in a direction. Make it a new shelf. Uh, all right. So let's get down into the thanks I hate it section of the podcast this week. Uh, first one. Uh, this one's from Pennsylvania. Uh, police arrested a 50-year-old woman on March 10th for sending her teen daughter's cheerleading coaches fake photos and videos depicting her daughter's rivals uh, drinking, naked, or smoking. That's right. This mother deep-faked her daughter's uh, cheerleading team so that her daughter could get a better space on the squad. Terrifying. <laughs> what, like, I just... Uh... Oh, man. What a dark time. Like, the... Deepfakes is a scary concept to me anyway. Oh, it's going to be getting a lot worse. It's going to be getting a lot worse. But this is like, this story popped up this week and I was like, oh man, this is just the start. This is just the beginning mm-hmm. of it. Uh, I got to say, this the, the picture of the woman they show does not look like the mother of a cheerleader. But I mean, I don't know if that's, if I'm making judgments based on, <laughs> I don't know. This doesn't seem like, it seems like a horrifying story. To go through the amount of time it would take to produce this material speaks to a very deranged and sick mind. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's these people. Terrible. Don't live vicariously through your kids, I guess, is the the moral of that story. Uh, Speaking of kids, uh, a Utica teen this week has been charged with grand grand larceny for allegedly using fake money to pay for items he arranged to buy through Facebook Marketplace. Uh, The 19-year-old was charged with two counts of third-degree grand larceny, which are D felonies. Apparently what he did is he contacted two people selling dirt bikes under an assumed name, then arranged to meet them on a dimly lit road where he exchanged the fake cash for bikes. Uh, police say it was imitation money with small print that is usually new, used as movie props and appears to be real at first glance. Wow. The balls on this kid. <laughs> Terrible. Don't don't steal stuff. I wouldn't have... Like, see, this is why I was a, not as much of a delinquent as I think a lot of my friends. I wouldn't have the courage to pull off something like this. There's a lot of your friends. No, you didn't have any friends that were delinquents like this. No, I know. But I'm saying, like, I would never have been able to, like, pull this off. I would have been too obvious... Oh, yeah, I wouldn't have seen you coming from a while. Away. The scene you coming, like, I never would have had the stones to pull this off. Like mm-hmm. the skill of the, I don't know. I kind of respect his uh, his commitment, but don't 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 commit crimes. It's terrible. Yeah, well, especially don't like rip off regular ass people off Facebook Marketplace. It's true. I mean? Yeah, he was going and passing this at Walmart and getting away with like some stuff at Walmart. You know what, buddy? Good for you. Good for you. Run to freedom. But, like, ripping off regular folks? No, I'm not, I don't, I'm not into it. Uh, and last but not least, the Diego Maradona Big Energy Award for this week uh, goes to a man in Lubbock, Texas. A uh, Texas man who used a loaner car from a dealership to rob a bank and then used the money from the bank to buy the car. <laughs> He's been sentenced for up to 20 years in federal prison. <laughs> I mean, don't steal cars, but man, the energy on this guy. Like, oh man, I really like this BMW. I know what I can do. Let me test drive it to the bank and try and steal $10,000 in 50, $100 bills. Uh, Again, terrible thing. Don't do it. But man, the energy. Unreal. Just Mm. unreal energy from this gentleman. Uh, Just the the stones. (laughs) I wouldn't have the stones to do it, man. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's get into this week's uh, interview 
the third time he's been on the podcast. He is our good friend from the Observer and Dispatch. He is their sports reporter, but he covers lots of things. He's a man of many talents. Uh, and, of course, a diehard Minnesota native. So we talked a lot about Prince, about hockey, about the uh, March Madness tournament coming up. Uh, we talked about the NFL. We talked a little bit about WandaVision, for all you WandaVision heads out there. Uh, ben Burnell joining us once again. As always, we're very happy to have him. And we'll be back to the show in just a moment. I can hear you. Yeah, sorry, sorry about that, man. Oh, no worries. Yeah, uh, when it comes to uh, the job hunting world, I got to take these phone calls when they come in. You know how it goes. Oh yeah, for sure. I completely understand. <laughs> uh, ben Burnell, most folks know you at Utica OD Sports. I've realized when I went to your Twitter page to look at this, you have about three different Twitter handles you're like covering. It's a lot. I feel like how do you how do you keep it all straight? Uh try to and hope for the best i guess <laughs> uh it's uh and then i have my own personal one too so it's like you know i try not to mess that up and so <laughs> i i need to downsize all my social media i was thinking last night as i was um i was watching uh, i was watching a movie on hbo go or hbo max whatever it is i think i have to finally uh pull the cord on Netflix. It's been a really long time. I'm like, it's, I think the time has come. I'm kind of waiting for the fourth Stranger Things season. And then yeah. that, I think, <laughs> I think I'm ready. Yeah. I don't know. We have so many streaming services that uh, it's just like at some point, and, and we still like, we had a deal on the, on cable. So we still have that too. So <laughs> Have you heard the theory that this is all just going to turn back around into cable again in like five years? Like somewhere, someone's going to go, you know what we should have is a service that takes all of these services and <laughs> roof. And then you could just pay for that. And that's what uh, we're gonna, I, I wouldn't be surprised. The, the, the whole thing. It's just, I mean, we've got Hulu, we've got Netflix, we've got Disney Plus. At one point we did have Apple TV because we had a trial because we got a new TV. And so that just ended. And then I was like, oh, I should try like a 30 day trial of Paramount Plus. And I was like, why? I don't need, I don't need another one. Well, you know, I'm a, I've been dirty little secret about me. I'm sure the listeners know I've had the WWE network since day like one when it came yeah. out. And now that that, uh, I know people have probably seen this in the news. They just sold all their streaming content and all their yeah. network to Peacock. So now I have to go out and take the money that I spend on the WWE network every month and turn it into a Peacock account, I suppose. Which yeah, means it's so many options and it's just, <laughs> someone needs to figure it out because <laughs> uh, there's so many. I like that Minnesota United hat, by the way. I'm not going to let that slide by. Our viewers can't, uh, our, our listeners can't see it, but I can see it. <laughs> yeah, I, I got that for a, a birthday present from my wife. So she, she done well. Uh, ben, it's a really interesting time uh, in the world for sports right now. There's a lot of stuff uh, going on, particularly, though, I think this week, 
Well, I guess I should, before we get into sports, I want to talk about March Madness with you, number one. But I got to ask, I did not watch much of the Grammys last night. I typically do. It's something I normally watch. Uh, I didn't because there was a movie on HBO Max. It was only on until midnight, and I wanted to watch it before it went off. And I was like, all right, I got to make a decision. Uh, what did you think of the Grammys, though? I saw you sort of tweeting about it last night. What were your thoughts? Um, I only saw a little of it. I just happened to see, like, winners and stuff. Like, I'm really happy to see uh, her mm -hmm. uh, win, um, I believe it was, what, record of the year? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I recently bought her vinyl, her her vinyl. Yeah, yeah. Um, after seeing her on uh, uh, SNL like a couple months ago, and oh, that yeah. was the first time I'd I'd seen her perform, and really enjoyed her on there. And then she was at the Super Bowl and thought she did great there. Um, so anytime she does something well, like I'm pretty excited about it. Um, but other than that, like I I didn't see a whole lot. Um, I did end up turning it on and saw Billie Eilish uh, when. Is that album of the, I don't know, there's so many different like album and record. And so I saw her like congratulate Megan the Stallion. Yeah, Megan. Uh, the Stallion. Or, well, she said that Megan the Stallion kind of deserved the award. So I thought that was nice. Um, I mean, I enjoy Billie Eilish. I mean, I guess I'm not, you know, as into it as, you know, maybe some other people. I did start watching her Apple Plus uh, documentary and the, I didn't get all the way through it, but one of the funny things I thought, you know, Katy Perry comes and meets her before a uh, Coachella performance, and Billie Eilish doesn't realize that it's Orlando Bloom standing <laughs> next to Katy Perry. <laughs> and so she's like, oh, that's who that was? That's Will Turner from Pirates of the Caribbean? I just got a kick out of it. Uh, I have a funny Billie Eilish with my, uh, for years. I kind of right before Billie Eilish blew up, I had to hear a lot of commentary from my niece, who was like 14, 15, right? She was all up on the Billie Eilish thing. So once Billie Eilish starts blowing up and your songs everywhere, I remember going to, I stopped in to check on her and her and her brother. And I was like, oh, did you see that everyone is like, listen to this Billie Eilish song? You were like ahead of the curve on this. And she was like, no, I don't really know if I like her anymore. And I was like, no, don't do that. I was like, don't, don't jump <laughs> off. Just because that's, that's kind of how it works, right? You're like you think you think you're you're in on it, and everyone else is like, "No, we jumped off that a long time ago." So she's off of it now because because it's popular, I believe is which which I I have to respect the 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 vibes. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't watch too much of it. I read some of the results, and I felt really out of touch, which is about right for the Grammys. Yeah. Which is hilarious because when I was like 18, playing in punk bands, I really thought I was going to win a Grammy one day. Like I'd be up there for like my. Yeah my Blink-182 knockoff album, shout out. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, let's get into some sports since I brought you on here to talk about sports and we've spent five minutes talking about anything but. Uh, March Madness this weekend, I have said in the past, NCAA March Madness, college basketball is not my favorite sport, but I do think that yeah. the NCAA March Madness tournament, especially the first uh, two days there, that Thursday through Sunday, is maybe my favorite sporting event of the entire year. Uh, do you have any particular March Madness moments that you get excited for thinking about? Um, I'm excited that it's back for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, just, and I mean, it's going to be different than it is, you know, say in past years yeah. when, um, you know, it's been in different cities and this year it's just all in yeah. Indianapolis. Um, you know, I remember Princeton a few years ago. I mean, that was more than a few years ago now. Um, I remember their kind of run. 
Um, you know, Butler, I think, you know, had their impressive run a few years ago and everyone was all over, you know, the Butler did it and um, stuff like that. So, um, you know, it, it's nice to see kind of like some local like connection to with Colgate making it again. So that'll be, you know, hopefully, you know, they can have a good showing and, and do well. Um, you know, I, I agree with you. Like I like those first two days when it just seems like almost anything is possible and you get these weird, like upsets. I mean, I think that's what everyone's kind of hoping for anyway, with, uh, you know, an upset and, you know, just a, like a 12 over a five or whatever, you know, you hope for one of those 16 ones, but I think that's happened once. And, you know, I'm looking at like, uh, I've tried to look a little bit, you know, I can't, I won't go out so far as to say that I'm gambling on any of these things because I don't support everyone having to go gamble to enjoy sports. Uh, that being said, I'm a little disappointed that Michigan lost their, uh, their point guard there. Cause I was ready to put some money on them. I do like Santa Barbara though. The Gauchos, that seems to be the popular upset pick this year in the tournament. So for anyone who's making their bracket this year, uh, there's your upset pick. Are you a bracket guy? Do you make brackets every year? Um, I used to. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do it this year. Um, just because I haven't watched a whole lot of college basketball. And so like, I, I mean, usually I don't watch a lot of it either, but I feel like this year, just because everything has happened all at once, it seems with sports returning and everything that I haven't had nearly as much time as I'd like to, um, I might just do one just to see what happens, <laughs> you know, I'll, you know, well, read up some, some stuff. And, um, we did a, uh, we did one on Yahoo last year, like a Uticast open pool one, uh, just for anyone to do on Yahoo. Uh, and I'm kind of debating whether or not I'll do it again this year. Just, to, I don't know what the interest is for people out there like this year. Yeah. Uh, but if I do do it, I am going to force you to fill one out. So just be prepared for that. Uh, so, <laughs> Uh, I got. I will ask you about a sport that you definitely know more about uh, than I do. But I know that our listeners uh, love viewing your comments a lot and are very like invested. I haven't been up on this AHL season, so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to hold me with kid gloves here for a moment. You, I saw on your Twitter feed it was a couple of days ago. Uh, game got postponed for COVID. This yeah, a- um, Utica had uh, two games postponed Friday and uh, Saturday. They were supposed to play uh Rochester on Friday Rochester's kind of had some kind of protocol issues with uh, COVID-19 and everything so they've had some games kind of uh you know postponed and the reason uh um sorry you're so popular (laughs) (laughs) um so they had a game postponed Friday and then they had one Saturday Friday they were supposed to play Syracuse and because they played Rochester on Wednesday, I think there was just more of a, well, let's let's take this day and just make sure everything's fine. It was nothing, you know, an issue with um, Utica or whatever. And then they were supposed to play Rochester Saturday. So... Um, Is this the first real, like, disturbance of the year, or have there been other issues like this going yeah, on? Yeah, this... I mean, this, for the Comets, it was the first real kind of, uh, you know, change in the schedule. I mean, there have been other teams that have been affected um you know there was another team that had um you know a game called off in the middle of it um because of a sounded like a covid kind of issue uh i'm not completely sure on what happened there uh but for the comments yeah this was the first time that um 
you know, it was something had been changed. So, you know, I, I think you're going to kind of see that with, you know, things as they go, um, you know, the Comets have played like nine games so far and, um, you know, they've got 32 games out of the schedule. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, I, I, you know, they've, they've said they're trying to be safe and because they don't want this, this season yeah. to be, you know, changed or ruined or whatever. Um, well, it's so, so weird to... they're, they're trying to be, I guess, as, as safe as possible. And, you know, well, it's, it's tough. So you look at all the different, like, I look at so many different aspects of it too, especially in this, this COVID time where, where it feels like for a lot of people, we're sort of looking at maybe a potential like light at the end of the tunnel for a lot of this stuff, but it really depends where you are. Right. Yeah. And you know, you look in, you look at Texas and I read earlier this week, the Texas Rangers are going to go full 40, like 40,000 people, 40,000 people. Uh, I'm not here to, I'm not here to, you know, debate the moral argument about people can make their own judgments on that, but that seems wild compared to what people would do in New York right now. So I really wonder how, how this affects going forward. I think people, I think people are looking at the light at the end of the tunnel and thinking we're, it's going to be okay. Even WrestleMania is going to have people at it, which is going to yeah. change. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I would like to see things start to get back to normal, but I also think you've kind of got to take it. Yeah. Slowly. Um, yeah. I'm a little concerned. You know, I, I don't, I don't think we should just all of a sudden go back to like thousands of people, um, you know, but yeah. uh, you know, maybe they've got better, um, you know, information than I do, but I just kind of like to see it, uh, you know, kind of slowly ramp up. Um, what is the AHL doing right now? Cause again, I, I have to say my, my listeners are probably screaming with me for how out of the loop I am with comment stuff, but what are they doing right now for their sort of stuff? Are, they, are people allowed in to see them or it, uh, it depends on the state. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, kind of what goes along with that. So New York's loosening, you know, kind of that stuff for smaller arenas like Utica, um, you know, in April. So I think the hope is to have, you know, at least some, you know, it's not going to be all of them at once. So, uh, you know, that place holds about 3,900 people. Yeah. Um, and you're not going to get all of them back at once. Um, sure. you know, Pennsylvania's got, I think a different kind of capacity number. Um, you know, I know Texas, the team down there has had fans. Um, I, but I know Rochester, you know, they had said previously they weren't going to have fans at all this season so it all kind of just depends on what um you know what each team wants to do and how things go um you know i i know that there are teams that want fans back but it's just kind of weighing what they want to do and and all that stuff uh let's uh let's stick with hockey for a moment uh again my my hockey skills my hockey talking knowledge is very low How's your, how's your NHL life going? Are you enjoying the NHL season? Where are we in the NHL season? Cause I feel like I'm an NBA guy. So I feel like I live in like a parallel universe. From the NHL. Yeah. I, you know, my, my focus is a lot on the um, AHL too. So like I, I catch bits and pieces of, of the NHL and stuff. And I know, you know, they've had um, some teams that have had issues, um, you know, with, with that and, you know, games getting postponed and stuff. So uh, it seems like you're just, are you Minnesota? You're Minnesota all the way through, though. You you root for like you root for like the Timberwolves and the, and like North Stars and stuff, or are you like out on? I something? used to with the uh, the Timberwolves. I don't so much anymore because they've been so terrible for so many years. You sound like a um, lot of Timberwolves fans. You know, I, yeah, so I'm trying to keep you know keep up on the Wild and um, you know 
obviously the MLS team and I'm a big twins fan. So I'm excited that they're getting back. Um, not so much the Vikings. Um, really? Yeah. I don't, I, you know, I just root like for the NFL, I just kind of root for a good story, but like the Vikings have been, you know, so close so many times and, you know, going back to like 1998 when they had to, you know, that game against Atlanta and they kind of yeah. blew it. And that was about the time that I just like dropped off the Viking fan base and was like, you guys, you guys have fun. And like, I'll pay attention to what's going on, but I'm not going to be like, hooray. It's so weird. You know, I, I think it, I always look at like uh, the hierarchy of sports for me. And I always jokingly say this when I'm like at the barbershop, uh, when I was a kid, the Yankees were the most important uh, sports franchise for me. There was no question. It was the Yankees and then everything else. Yeah. And as I get older, I feel like so I jokingly always tell people at the barbershop soccer took over baseball because I could only have one slow, low scoring sport in my life at a time. And soccer kind of replaced baseball for it. But what yeah. I think really happened with baseball for me, baseball feels like a regional sport with national coverage. Because I don't know a lot of folks outside of, I don't know anybody who I know who's not a Yankee fan who just says, oh, I'm going to watch this miscellaneous uh, Cardinals-Astros game tonight, just on a Tuesday night. Yeah, like, yeah. I watch the team I root for, and if they make the playoffs, I'll watch the playoffs, and that's it. And I think yeah. that's sort of happening with a lot of these major sports, like this sort of regionalization of it. I only watch the team that I'm either invested in or yeah. the particular player I'm invested in. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a real big, like, uh, Mets or, you know, Yankees fan, even though, you know, I live here. I mean, I'm aware of the you know, kind of things that are going on, but uh, because I'm not from here originally, it's not a team that I've adopted. And plus with, you know, growing up in the twins, having so many difficulties against the Yankees, it's, <laughs> it's not a team <laughs> that I really want to root for. I was so, going uh, to stick with the twins. Uh, I was a Red Sox fan for a while um, because I had, you know, I was a big fan of uh, Nomar Garcia Parra. You know, Everyone. I know it's not something I should be admitting, but um, no. that was a. You'd be surprised though, because you got to realize that in Utica, I've heard a lot of people say this, and I don't know if it's just a Utica or a Central New York thing. The distance between New York City to Utica and Boston to Utica is really not that different. So you do sort of get this weird over. I knew a lot of guys yeah. growing up yeah. who were Red Sox fans. And yeah. I also think that because you grow up in a region with lots of Yankee fans, you inherently get some people who are like, well, I'm going to root for the rival team because I'm tired of everyone I know being a Yankee fan, which is why I didn't end up being a, like a, a Giants fan. Everyone in my family loved the Giants growing up. I was like, nah, I'll just support this sad sack Buffalo Bills team. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you try to, to me, it's, I just kind of stuck with my hometown teams. Um, you know, there was a time when I was also like a Steelers fan too, um, just for a brief, you know, couple, you know, years. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's just kind of sticking with, uh, you know, those hometown teams. Like I said, with the NFL, it's more kind of rooting for the good story. Um, you know, and, and you'll, you'll flip on something when, you know, something good's happening. Because the other thing, too, is I'm involved in fantasy football. Um, oh, yeah. And so I kind of pay attention to that kind of stuff, too. But, yeah, it's, 
for the most part, my rooting interests are, are just in like Minnesota teams. And... I'm gonna get you in my in our fantasy football league next year. You'd be a good ad. I'll see if I I'll, I gotta remember to put you on the list next year for fantasy football. Uh, I have one football. I have a couple of football related things. I'll just ask you real quick before we do some. We'll do some lightning round questions and all that. But okay, uh, Drew Brees earlier this week uh, retired from the NFL. Did you have any particular like Drew Brees thoughts in, in terms of him? Were you surprised that he left? No, I'm not surprised that he retired. Um, you know, he kind of had that meeting with, uh, you know, Brady at the end of a game toward the end of the season, or maybe it was like the last game of the season. I don't remember the specifics, but, um, you know, it, it, after seeing that, I was like, well, it sounds like it's almost at the end of the line for him. Uh, but I always enjoyed watching him play that. That was a guy that I grew up watching. Um, and he was always fun to watch. Um, you know, so it was, you know, heck of a career and he's going to be in the hall of fame no doubt i mean that's a first ballot kind of guy and um, i watched uh i watched a thing on nfl throwback on youtube a few days ago and it was essentially the game in which his career at in san diego ended and philip Rivers started it's such a weird like sliding doors moment i forget that drew Brees was ever in san diego that he got hurt oh yeah i, such a, I forget about that sometimes too such a weird like sliding doors moment for the, for the chargers and the saints and everything that came afterwards. Uh, I, I like to, I always think about weird sports moments that sort of shifted uh, the future. Cause I just watched a video about the, the chiefs and the jets that talks about the same thing actually. Uh, and then I guess I'll hit you with the Deshaun Watson question. Uh, you have any thoughts about Deshaun Watson, where you think he's going to end up? That's been the hot discussion on the NFL trade rumor. No, no clue. <laughs> you don't look like you're excited about it. I, yeah, I don't even know. I mean, there's so much drama, it seems like around that. And I have no idea, you know, how that's going to all play out. You know, it's like, I watched the JJ Watt thing and everybody kept like being like, Oh, he's going to go here. Here's a clue. And he's like, guys, I don't own a, a, like a Peloton bike. And <laughs> It just got to the point where he seemed like he was tired of it. And so he's like, here, I'm done. You know, this is where I'm going. And so, you know, with Deshaun Watson, like, I don't, everything is always, it seems like up in the air with, um, you know, the, the NFL and, you know, free agency and, or guys going different places. And well, I, I kind of look at it. It's such a strange scenario, right? You look at the team. I look at like the jets. I look at the dolphins, which seem to be the two teams that I see the most like conversation about. And it's primarily a question, I think, of do you want a guy who you know is good now or do you want a guy who could be good in a few years? And I yeah. think for a lot of the, I think that's always what it comes down to from the team perspective. Now, from the player perspective, it comes down to a lot of things. Maybe I don't want to play with this management or maybe I don't want to live in Houston yeah. or maybe I want to go somewhere else. But from the, I, I would have a hard time as, uh, as like the Dolphins per se, I'll use the Dolphins for example, saying, I'm going to take a chance that the guy we have, this young quarterback, this Tua Togovailoa is going to be good in three years. Yeah. But I also have this guy right here who I know for a fact is good right now. And I don't have to question it at all. So it's yeah. just, yeah, just a, an unanswerable question. <laughs> it's, it always seems like it's tough. Like you think you know what you have with a guy coming out of college And then maybe it just doesn't work for whatever reason. Maybe it's not the right fit. Maybe, you know, there's so many different factors that, that play into all of it that you're just like, well, this could work or this couldn't work. (laughs) And, you know, you'd, you'd like to see, uh, you know, like a guy like Johnny Manziel, like work out and, you know, it didn't. And, you know, that, I, I think that goes both ways. 
I was, um, I was hoping he was going to pop up in the XFL, that I would have had a reason to watch more XFL games if, if I knew Manziel was going to be there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm excited to see, you know, maybe what The Rock does yeah. um, with the XFL. I mean, the guy, you know, has the experience of playing in a football league, you know, um, you know, a little bit in, in college and everything. So, um, you know, I'd like to see how that, that works out. At least it's another kind of, place for guys to continue playing um you know that maybe don't get the shot uh in the nfl well i just saw they signed a deal with the cfl i want to say that xfl and the cfl are doing some sort of like i saw that too yeah yeah pretty interesting you know at least you do something interesting with it uh ben i appreciate you spending time with us today uh folks of course can follow you on twitter at uh, od underscore burnell or at utica od underscore sports or they can link from your various twitter profiles uh, before I let you go, uh, do you got time for a few quick lightning round questions? Definitely. Always look forward to it. All right. So number one, I saw you tweeting about, uh, WandaVision. I'm going to assume you watched the whole series. I did. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to do any spoilers. We'll leave that for another time, but let me ask you this question. Did, were you disappointed in the finale? Were you one of the people who felt disappointed or did you sort of see it for what it was and sort of enjoy it as it is? Well, let me preface preface this with saying that, <laughs> I'm still confused by that. <laughs> like the first number of episodes, I was confused. And I mean, I understood it to an extent, but there was yeah. a lot of stuff happening. And like, I'm going to have to go back and watch it all over again, I think, just to completely maybe understand what's happening. Um, <laughs> I don't think I was disappointed. I think it was um, a nice ending. Um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. Mm -hmm. It was nice to see Kat Dennings come back and um you know I, I i enjoyed you know everyone in that series like i thought katherine hahn was awesome, awesome. um you know and, and i thought everyone was was really good in that whole series um like i said i was confused <laughs> and i need another viewing to figure it out uh i think this happens a lot with any sort of superhero uh movie or tv show or aspect of superheroes it's in pop culture the medium of superhero comics inherently ends with laser shooty, bang, bang, fight scene. And, and that's just part of it. Like it, and that, and a lot of people will tell you that's the part of the show they're the least invested in. That's the part of the movie they're the least invested in. But that's sort of the, the curse of the comic book movie is at the end of the day, like the villain and the superhero have to have some sort of climactic confrontation and a lot of times it leaves people underwhelmed i think and that's just a contrivance yeah. of the of the genre i think yeah well and this this was like the the first time i think i can remember like after each episode going and finding like here's all the easter eggs you missed and i was like i missed all of them <laughs> like i don't you know i don't know the i don't know the backstory with a lot of these comics like i'd like to read more of them i mean i my introduction to most of them was through yeah. you know these these Avengers movies and everything too. So, I mean, I didn't know, you know, Scarlet Witch, um, you know, and, and that character, you know, before, before the MCU and everything like that. So, you know, I'm just getting involved and, and, you know, figuring it all out as I go along, I guess. Yeah. See, it helps when you are watching the show with a nerd like me who spent way too much time reading comic books and like reading Wikipedia pages as a kid about comic books. Yeah. So I was like sitting here, I'm like, oh, this is a reference to the House of M number three. This is a reference. <laughs> so like that, it, that makes it, I think, weird for me sometimes. Uh, but I also 
but it also makes it like a curse. Like I went, remember going to see one of the X-Men movies. It was me and uh, my friend, Adam, shout out to my buddy, Adam and my friend, Eric and Adam and I were big X-Men fans. And Eric was kind of, he could have cared less, right? He just was going to the movie to, we were going to see the movie. And within 30 seconds of the movie starting, my buddy Adam is looking across at me. And he's like, this is bullshit. Like they've ruined the whole movie. And I'm like, I'm like, I know, I can't believe it. And Eric's like, the movie just started. Like, how do you, <laughs> so like, I, I understand what it is to fall into that like trap of being too caught up in your own like internal fandom. Uh, I, I just gotta ask you, you mentioned it briefly, uh, talking about your vinyl collection. What's the most recent thing you've added to your vinyl collection or what's the most interesting thing you've added recently? Yeah, I just got into this. So all my records and my turntable and the like the console that I have it on have all been added since Christmas. Awesome. So like I'm new to this whole thing. And so I'm checking out, you know, record stores and trying to add to my collection. So I ended up getting Foo Fighters uh, greatest hits. Nice. Um, as a birthday present in February. So that's my most recent one. Um, you know, I got before that I got Prince's uh, Purple Rain album. Yeah. Um, at the this shop in, in New Hartford. So of course you um, did, by the way. <laughs> yeah, by the and, way, of course you did. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I was like, this is what I have to own. Like I have to have Prince and I have to have Purple Rain and oh. like I have to just jam out to Let's Go Crazy and, and Purple Rain. Like Purple Rain is a is a song that if it comes out of my car, I will not shut off my car and leave until it is over. Like that is the, that's one of the few songs that I will do that for. <laughs> um, so I think I have about 10 or 12 records right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got a lot for Christmas. Uh, I got Elephant um, from um, uh, Jack White. Uh, why oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Escaping me right now. Uh, uh, the Rack and Tours or just the White Stripes? Which one? The White Stripes. There you yeah. go. Um, you know, I, I got the Black Keys uh, reissue for the Brothers album. Um, you know, that's been that's one of my favorite albums. So, and the Black Keys are one of my favorite bands. So, um, you know, I've, I've kind of been on a lookout for you know more vinyl from them, being that I have pretty much all of their albums so far, either on um, you know vinyl or CD. So, uh, I, uh, adding more to them soon. I've uh, I started collecting vinyl. I was probably living in Brooklyn at the time, which sounds about as on brand as anything that I've ever said in my life. Uh, but yeah, and, and what we would honestly do, and again, this is going to sound super on brand as well. We used to go to uh, like the open market fairs that have in Brooklyn. Like they do like, you know, these big walk through like mini market, flea market type things. And you could just get any vinyl for like yeah. two bucks. And, yep. you know, I, we after I used to be picky, but then after a while I would just take whatever i'm like i have a ton of like hot rock stuff i have just tons of like steely dan and like harry nilson stuff that i've just found in random places because people don't want them for whatever they're hard to store or whatever it is my uh my introduction to like the vinyl world when i was probably 10 my parents had queen's news of the world (laughs) and I, for one, I remember the album cover because it's just, it's so weird and just like out there. Yeah. But I, all I wanted to do to, on that, to listen to that album was We Are the Champions yeah. and, you know, that one, because I think that was about the time too that Mighty Ducks came out and oh, they yeah. were playing, you know, that song was part of it. So, you know, I, I remember 
that being the, like the sole like vinyl record I would listen to on my parents' record player, uh, because all I wanted to do was listen to We Are the Champions. And I don't even remember any of the other vinyl that they had, but I know they had a number of other records. Um, you know, so I'd like, whenever I go home, I'd like to kind of look at whatever is at my mom's house and, and uh, see if I can take anything back with me. I'll uh, I'll send you, after we're done, I'll send you a picture of some of the nonsense. I have so much, like just nonsense, just stuff that I found in random places. Yeah. My mom gave me like all these Beatles vinyls and I know that sounds impressive, but they're all old and like worn and beat up and they're not, she's yeah. like, worth money. I'm like, I don't think that they are. <laughs> They're yeah. like in bad shape. Uh, all right, I'll give you one last one and then we'll, I'll let you go here. Uh, I'll set the scenario here for you. Uh, and you may have already accidentally answered this question. Uh, you are walking, you are the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. You are walking down to the ring. The crowd is chanting your name. You're holding the belt above your head. What song is playing in the background as you make your way to the squared circle? Wow. That's a tough one. Ah, <laughs> uh, boy. I would probably guess to something uh, Black Keys. Black Keys. Uh, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure which one it would be <laughs> off the top of my head. I feel, like, I feel like you should just go Purple Rain. We just been like... <laughs> like let's go crazy. I mean, that would be a, a pretty good one, too. Uh, I feel like Let's Go Crazy might be a little bit um, better of an entrance song than like purple rain uh i just want to share this with you real quick before i let you go uh when we were in uh i was a young man we were playing in bands we went to minneapolis to play a show just at some bar i wish i could tell you what the name of it was because it, it probably it was pretty good it was like a half bar on one side and there's like a little tiny stage in the back and the other side there's like a bar burger place kind of and people were watching hockey it was right up your alley uh and sounds uh, cool i remember like being on stage and trying to chat up the crowd because I was the lead singer. So you have to like come up with banter for people. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like chatting up the crowd and I'm just like, Hey, I, you know, I know that a lot of people, I know Minnesota has a great, uh, or Minneapolis has a great, you know, history of musicians. And, you know, I just want to, you know, love listening to like Prince and, and who's the other one I met, like my chemical or my uh, motion city soundtrack. And then the one I was like, and one of my favorite bands of all time, semi-sonic. And they're like, nobody cared. I'm like, you know, they're from here. And they're like, yeah, we don't, no one, no one. Yeah, I don't think like I remember, you know, I knew that Semisonic was from Minnesota, but I like I don't remember a lot of people being like great. <laughs> they don't strike you as traditionally like a, a band from anywhere for whatever reason. Yeah, I you know it's it's like you you hear that they're from Minnesota and you're like, okay, that's cool. Like, does anybody and then nobody really talks about it. Uh <laughs> Yeah, because I feel like Prince is the the one and only like I own this this city and state like as like, Bob Dylan knows. too. Dylan, Bob Dylan, Bill, yeah, Bob Dylan's um from up northern Minnesota, so uh, a lot of people are excited that you know he's he's from there and stuff like that. So it's I'll those leave, two that I would think are, are the biggest ones. I'll leave my negative Bob Dylan takes alone in my head and I won't let people come after him. Uh, you can follow Ben at OD underscore Burnell on Twitter or Utica OD underscore sports. Uh, I want to appreciate you taking some time out to chat with us today. 
Uh, if I do set up a March uh, uh, bracketology thing, I'm definitely going to send you a link. So I'll, I'll probably get in touch with you for that, though. So awesome. Sounds good. Yeah. Fantasy football, too. I'd, I'd definitely be in on that, too. Oh, for sure. For sure. I'm going to link you for both of those. Ben, we appreciate you. Keep up the good work at the OD, and uh, we love talking to you. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Third time club. Always a pleasure. Three timers club. <laughs>
I always like the term Ides of March or something very ominous. Did you see the movie Ides of March? It's not about this, right? It's, no, it's not about this at all. <laughs> it's like a different um, movie, right? Yeah. George Clooney is running for president. Ryan Gosling is a yeah, yeah. way to get some dirt. It's a good movie. I've heard, I've heard it's a People good movie. People say it's not good, but I think it's good. And they made, they've made the Caesar movie, right? Oh, my God. A million times. I'm sure they've made it in two years, I yeah. think. Yeah. All right, on this day, 19, uh, sorry, 1783, George Washington puts an end to something called the Newburgh Conspiracy. Mm. On the morning of March 15th, 1783, General George Washington makes a surprise appearance at an assembly of army officers in Newburgh, New York, to claim the growing to calm the growing frustrations and distrust and distrust they had been openly expressing toward Congress in its previous few weeks. Mm. Angry with Congress for failing to honor its promises, officers began circulating an anonymous letter condemning Congress and calling for a revolt. Uh, this Newburgh conspiracy was a plan by the Continental Army officers to challenge the authority of the uh, Confederate. Uh, Confederation Congress, uh, arising from their frustration with Congress's long-standing inability to meet its financial obligations to the military. Uh, by early 1783, widespread unrest had created an atmosphere ripe for mutiny. In the end, however, George Washington diffused the situation with an eloquent personal plea to his officers to remain loyal to Congress in the process, perhaps saving the fate of the American Revolution. Uh, in a letter to the Continental Congress dated March 18, 1783, Washington wrote to assure the body that the unrest of the officers was over, writing, quote, The result of the proceedings of the grand convenience of the officers, which I had the honor of enclosing to your excellency, uh, will, will be considered the last glorious proof of patriotism which could have been given by men who aspired to the dedication of a patriot's army, quote, unquote. Mm. Uh, I think it's interesting when you look back at a lot of these, like, moments in history. Uh, like, really what changed this is that George Washington showed up and, like, gave a speech. And people were like, yup. I'm sold. Yeah. Like, uh, the whole thing twisted on just this man being so convincing and so, like, uh, I guess, admirable to people that, like, they were willing to listen to what he said, even though they were ready to, like, take down the government, like, the second earlier. Really wild. Like, not enough credit, George Washington. Uh, on this day, 1965, uh, I don't have... This is just an important one. On this day, 1965, uh, LBJ called for equal voting rights, using the phrase, we shall overcome, borrowed from African-American leaders... President Lyndon Baines Johnson declared that every American citizen must have an equal right to vote. Johnson reminds the nation that the 15th Amendment, which was passed after the Civil War, gave all citizens the right to vote regardless of race or color. States had defied the Constitution and erected barriers to this in the form of literacy, knowledge, or character tests administered solely to African Americans to keep them from registering to vote. Uh, the speech was delivered eight days after uh, racial violence erupted in Selma, Alabama, where civil rights leader Martin Luther King and over 500 supporters were attacked while planning a march from Selma to Montgomery. Uh, that march would finally take place on March 21st with over 3,000 participants under the gaze uh, of worldwide news publicity. On August 6, 1965, Johnson signed the Voter, uh, Voting Rights Act, which made it illegal uh, to impose restrictions on federal, state, or local elections that were deny, designed to deny the vote to black Americans. While state and local enforcement in this act was initially weak, primarily in the South, uh, the Voter Rights Act gave African American voters the legal means to challenge voting restrictions and vastly improved voter turnout. Uh, in Minnesota alone, after voter turnout uh, changed among black voters, it increased from 6% in 1964 to 59% in 1969. Uh, 1970, President Richard Nixon would extend the provisions of the Voting Rights Acts uh, and lower the eligible voting rage for all voters to 18. So, I don't have any comeback, just an important moment in history. Let's do some lighter stuff, Kev. This is a really big one for you and me. Are you ready? Yeah. On this day, 1972, 
Best known for his work as the bassist and co-lead vocalist of the rock band Blink-182, Mark Hoppus mm. is born. Old man. Uh, became interested in skateboarding and punk rock in junior high and received a bass guitar from his father, Tex Hoppus, great name, mm. at the age of 15. After moving to San Diego to attend college at CSU, California State University, uh, Hoppus' sister introduced him to a man in 1992 named Tom DeLong. Together with drummer Scott Rayner, they formed the band Blink-182. Uh, Blink produced several recordings and toured exhaustively before signing to MCA to co-distribute their sophomore effort, 1997's Dude Ranch, very important album in my life in particular, mm-hmm. uh, which featured the Hoppus penned hit, Damn It, which I must admit was probably one of the most important songs I ever heard. Oh, yeah. Like, I hardly... I know what you mean. Um, after replacing Scott Rayner with uh, Travis Barker, what a shame, uh, the trio <laughs> recorded Enema of the State in 1999. And launched the band into multi-platinum success. Two more records followed. 2001's Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. And 2003's uh, self-titled slash untitled album. Just called Blink-182, I guess. That's my favorite one, to be honest, I think, in hindsight. Mm. Uh, band split up in 2005, but then uh, reunited in 2009. In between, Hoppus continued playing with Travis Barker and the band Plus 44, who will make an appearance later on. Uh, aside from his musical career, Hoppus has had multiple success behind the recording console, uh, producing records for groups such as Idiot Pilot, New Found Glory, The Matches, Motion City Soundtrack, and Pause. He also previously co-owned two companies, Atticus and Macbeth Footwear. Uh, Kevin, is it weird for me to say, or is, am I wrong to say, that when I was a kid, this is what I wanted, this is the celebrity I wanted to be? What? No, why would that be wrong? It just seems, I, I, it seems hyperbolic in hindsight to say it, but like as a kid, I don't think there was anyone whose life I wanted more than Mark Hoppus's. I think it makes a lot of sense when you're a young kid starting out playing yeah. music that you want like, your life to be most like your favorite musician. Yeah, yeah. like that's I think pretty, that's pretty standard. I think I, I don't just, think that's weird. I don't know. I don't know if it's weird. I guess I never really gave it that much thought, but he probably was the first like guy that I looked at. I was like, this guy, this is my guy. Like I, I like everything about this guy, mm. right? Um. So I guess, I, I don't know what you would call it, not, not like my musical hero, but like early on when I was first like trying to learn to play bass, it was because I was like watching Mark Hoppus play bass and mm. learning Blink-182 and Green Day songs. Yeah, so, for sure. Uh, do you remember like, uh, was, was, was Damn It the first Blink song you heard or were you were you up to it on the hip stuff before that? I don't know. I mean, You know what I mean? It's one of those, like when you're young like that, and especially back in the time where music was a bit more of a monoculture it's kind of hard to say where you first heard stuff it just sort of like mm. entered the consciousness you know what i mean yeah i think i had heard it but i it's tough to say which one kind of came first because that's all like in that hodgepodge like 11 12 13 yeah. 14 age my cousin mike had a cd booklet full mm. of uh old punk rock cds and i'm trying to remember you know this dude ranch was in there specifically but, you know, a lot of stuff from that era. Like, there was an MXPX album in there, I think. There was, like, you know, some, like, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the like, Good Riddance. I think he had a couple Good Riddance albums floating around in there. So, like, th- I remember, like, going through that thing and, like, picking bands. Like, ooh, who's this? Who's this? Who's this? And, like, mm-hmm. that Blink album, Dude Ranch, particularly um, stuck with me, right? And I think Blink for a long time kind of had... I don't like a lot of the newer Blink stuff because I, I wish Tom was still there. Mm-hmm. Not that I... Not that I think they should all be friends anymore. Like, I don't think they... They haven't put out a great album in a long time. Those three guys. Uh, but it doesn't feel weird when he's not there. It's like a different guy replacing Tom DeLonge now. So I I haven't got into the newest Blink-182 music, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm. Even though they are still putting out music, even today. It's true. Yeah. Uh, all right. 
I'll move on to the last one on this day, 1977. And it's so weird because Mark Hoppus is born in 72. So we just spent a whole time talking about 2000s punk. And now we're going to go back in time to 1977 uh, for the debut of Three's Company. That's right. Three's Company aired for eight seasons on ABC from March uh, 15th, 1977 uh, to September 18th, 1984. Based on the British sitcom Mad About the House, the story revolves around three roommates, Janet Wood, Chrissy Snow, and Jack Tripper, played by Joyce DeWitt, Suzanne Summers, and John Ritter, respectively, who all platonically live together in a Santa Monica, California apartment complex owned by the Ropers. Uh... Stanley and his wife, Helen, played by Norman Fell, and Audra Lindley. Uh, so I guess it's such a weird concept. This is the premise for a show. It's so weird that these people live in an apartment together, but they're all just friends. Crazy! <laughs> like, this was a show in 1977. The idea that it was very strange. These platonic, like, friends would live in an apartment together to save money. <laughs> mm. What a strange concept. We should make a whole television show about it. I actually love this show. Ooh. I'm on the opposite side. Oh, dude, I, I like love this, show, really this show, dude. I love this show. And I, I think, and that's a that's because I had two older sisters. Because this show was on all the time. My sister's 10 years older than me. Mm -hmm. uh, these sort of sitcoms, stuff like this, is right in the wheelhouse. Like, Charles in Charge is a little bit later than this. But any of these, like, Golden Girls, Three's Company stuff, like, this was right in our zone. I love this show. Yeah, my younger, bro my younger brother and sister liked it a lot, because it was, you know, it was on Nick and Knight all the time. I like, mm -hmm. just never quite, uh, something about it, I don't know. Do you not like Ritter? Is that the thing? You know, he's good. He does a good job. He's fine. It's not, it's not like, oh, this show makes me mad. I hate it so much, <laughs> but, like, I just never, I was always like, ah, ah. I dig yeah. this show. I dig this show. The show uh, chronicles the escapades and hijinks of the of the trio's current misunderstandings, social lives, and financial struggles. It was a top ten hit from seventy seven to eighty three. The series remained popular in syndication and throughout DVD releases. It also spawned three spinoffs, which is wild: The Ropers, Three's a Crowd, and Robin's Nest, respectively. Um, people thought it was going to get canceled immediately. There were no expectations for the show, so it was a huge surprise. When it raked in record ratings, breaking barriers at the time as the highest-rated mid-season show ever broadcast on network television, ABC gladly renewed the show for a formal television season, giving it a permanent primetime spot during 77-78. Uh, it did reach the number one spot in February 14, 1978, uh, the most-watched episode of the series. So there you mm. go, uh, Three's Company. Again, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that it's a, a quality show, but this show uh, reminds me of a certain time and place and sticks with me in a way that a lot of other TV shows from this era do not. I think because of the theme song. One of the best television theme songs I can think of. The Three's Company theme song. It's fundamentally perfect. Mm. <laughs> I like any song that sort of tells you the whole guise of a, of a show before you, before you watch it. You get the whole vibes in the mm. song. Uh, all right. Shall we move on to some other stuff this week? Let's yeah. get into our light stuff. All right. Uh, sticking with some light sports news I didn't talk about. Uh with Ben. This is this one's from Michigan University. Uh, Michigan State University was forced to remind people this week that it is not renaming their men's basketball team after a new partnership with Rocket Mortgage. Uh, earlier this week, fans expressed outrage uh, after the university announced they were that Rocket Mortgage would be the presenting sponsor of the men's basketball team. And as part of the, de uh, the, the deal, the team would be known as, quote, the MSU Spartans presented by Rocket Mortgage, mm. unquote. That would be the team's official name. 
In a statement, the university reiterated that it is not renaming the men's basketball mm-hmm. program, that people are overreacting. Uh, I feel like that's just bad setting up your information, right? If you put that out there and then are confused that people run with it, like if that's the, the, the tweet you give, that the MS the MSU Spartans presented by Rocket Mortgage is how we're going to be presented, don't be surprised when people get mad about it. That seems silly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, uh. I'm, I don't have a problem with advertising in sports. i got to be honest with you. Like, I watch soccer all the time, and one of the things that I like about soccer is that they just throw logos on everything so you don't have commercials. Sure. Um, so the advertising doesn't bother me. What bothers me, I think, is, like, the way sometimes, like, I watch American sports advertising feels very intrusive in a, way, in, a in a different way, right? Like, if I watch a Liverpool game, there's a million ads all over the screen all the time for, like, tons of things. Betting apps, sports clothing, you know, Nike, Gatorade. But the stadium is still called, like, Anfield, and it has, like, a historic reference to it, right? And it's, like, a famous English thing, right? The advertisements are sort of around but ignored so that you can enjoy the sport in, like, an undistilled form. Mm. I don't like when a lot of it feels like we're changing the name of the arena to, like, the Honda Accord Arena, and Honda owns everything, and they're going to run. I don't know. It feels different to me in a way that feels very particularly American. So it's just about (laughs) arena naming, we're saying? I think the team's name should be off-limit. There are certain things I think that should be off limit when in terms of like advertising reach. I don't think the T. I it's think like the, the team, Red Bulls. I even think that's kind of weird. I think yeah. it's, I think that's I weird too. Even, yeah, like, nobody's doing that though, so that's not a real thing. Well, I mean, I think that. Well, that was the. I think people were under the impression that the the Michigan State Spartans were actually changing the name to the Michigan State Spartans, presented by Rocket Mortgage. Yeah, right. I mean, to be for folks often wrong uh, on Twitter. I do think though that for me personally, I think that the arena. And the team name should be pretty much like uh, protected from advertisement advertising commitments. I'm sure that naming of a stadium is probably harder to to swing that by, mm. right? But some, I mean, well, because the naming of the stadium, like, who paid for it? You know, and that that becomes the thing. Well, because like, wouldn't it be weird if Yankee Stadium was just all of a sudden like MetLife Stadium at Yankee Park? Wouldn't sure, that feel weird to you? Of course, you? yeah. I just, of course, but if they built a new stadium and MetLife paid for it, what can I say? But if they build a stadium called Yankee Stadium, put as many MetLife ads as you want in the stadium. Just yeah, don't call it MetLife Stadium. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like that's where my I guess where my head. I is. hear you, but they yeah. but the people. I mean, the people who are going to spend the money are going to no want to do it. Certainly, know? certainly. I'm, I'm being. I'm, it's very pie in the sky. I mean, and here's yeah. here's the thing too. Like if Liverpool built a new stadium, I'm sorry that wouldn't be called Anfield. Anfield anymore, that would yeah, be called true. Standard Charter. Standard Charter Stadium. Whatever Probably. Liverpool Stadium. You know what I mean? That's They're one right. of the things too. A lot of these new American American sports have newer arenas it's not like oh we've been playing soccer here for 200 years you know what i mean no but like even the most famous american stadiums have identities wrigley field fenway park you mean these like i mean 100 years old yeah 100 years yeah. old 100 yeah. years no, old you're right you're right you're right uh speaking of not 100 years old uh earlier this week one of my favorite athletes of all time passed away at the sort of early age of 66 i thought he was mm. older than this actually to be totally honest uh marvelous marvin Hagler passed away earlier this week uh i love Heavyweight boxing from this era, mm-hmm. uh, middleweight boxing, lightweight boxing. He was one of the best ever. If you've never seen him box, go do yourself a favor if you like boxing and go watch him fight Thomas Hearns in their eight-minute fight that is so good. Boxing went downhill for me forever. After. It's on it, YouTube. It's easy to find, and it's definitely worth a watch. It's amazing. It's the best boxing. You, my, one of my favorite boxing clips of all I can time. I co-sign that for sure. That's a cool match. Uh, 
Hagler fought on boxing's biggest stage against the biggest names, including Sugar Ray Leonard, Thomas Hearns, Roberto Duran, dominating the middleweight classes during the golden time in boxing in the 1980s. Uh, also, famously, uh, Marvin Hagler was mad that announcers would not refer to him by his nickname, Marvelous Marvin Hagler. So, famously, he went and actually got his name legally changed to Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Mm. Uh, that's almost a big energy award on its own. I don't, I, I don't, I wouldn't do it myself. Very strong. But I respect the energy. So yeah, shout out to Marvin Hagler. Go look at that Thomas Hearns fight. It's, it's definitely worth the 10, 15 minutes of your time. Uh, let's get into a segment I'm calling bad airport behavior. Uh, earlier this week, a JetBlue passenger, uh, was boozing and refused to wear a mask and other obnoxious behavior on a flight might end up costing him $14,500 as the pilot... Turned the plane around. This man was being so disruptive in the plane. Uh, the passenger who has not been identified has 30 days to respond to the enforcement letter that was sent to him. Uh, he was crowding the travelers next to him, refusing to wear a mask, was openly drunk. I gotta be honest, I, I've seen a lot of videos like this on the internet. Mm. I feel like if this is going on now, you're going on to this plane without a mask to get in a fight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, this, this person yeah. didn't walk in here and think to themselves... No one's going to say anything to me. No, 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 no. Yeah, this no, person... these people are antagonists. Antagonistically going on here. Mm -hmm. uh, similarly, a Colorado man uh, earlier this week is accused of disrupting an Alaska Airlines flight from Seattle to Denver by refusing to wear a mask and then standing up and urinating in the cabin. He's facing a federal charge uh, with a maximum term of 20 years in prison and a possible $250,000 fine. Uh, that guy was 24, though, so that's, like, a silly, dumb, idiot kid mistake. Like, you're going to pay for that one, but, like, mm. you probably thought you were funny peeing in the thing. Oh, check it out. We're pissing the seat. Nah, bro. That's oh, that's that's dumb. That's dumb, bro. Yeah, I mean, airplane, too. Like, that's the thing. Like, I feel like the last place you want to be a total idiot is, like, an airplane. They'll throw sure. you out real. Like, they have sure. no qualms throwing you right out. For sure. Right? For <laughs> like, sure, for sure. Uh, all right. Uh, we haven't done this one in a long time, so I'm glad we have a chance to do it. Bringing back the Doomsday Report, Kev. Uh, <laughs> this is sort of a weird one. Uh, uh, human sperm is going to make its way to the moon very mm. soon as scientists are preparing for repopulation after impending doom on Earth. Uh, being referred to as the modern global insurance policy, this plan includes humans saving up sperm and ova from 6.7 million species on Earth, including humans, and storing it on the moon. Mm. Uh, as part of these plans, the actual sper uh, sperm bank, or what is being dubbed, quote, the Ark, would be situated beneath the surface of the moon if Earth is being threatened by natural disasters, especially owing to current changes in the planet's climate. Uh, scientists believe now is the time to begin preserving the future of humanity. Mm -hmm. uh, Kevin, is this a real thing or the start of a new dystopian future novel about a society on the moon? Uh, I, how are they going to get this stuff? A great question. Uh, I'm sure that they're, I'm sure that they're working on that now. This is from wionnews.com slash science if you're looking for this story. Uh, I mean, I kind of understand the base reasoning for why you would do this, but it seems like kind of out of nowhere, right? <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's kind of out of like, man, you should have started yesterday. No, no, no. This is very, this is very spot on and a good idea. I'm just curious yeah. how they're going to get it all back from the moon. A great point. How would you get it back from the moon? Yeah, in like in in future dystopia oh, great world. That's that's what I'm that. saying. Is how do you get all this like yeah. sperm back from the moon? A great point. Didn't even think about that. You're not going to have spaceships. Yeah, how do you get sperm? And you'll never get them again. Like, once they're gone, they're never coming back. 
No, yeah, how I'm long like, does it take to get to the moon? I mean, a long time. But That's what I'm saying. So you gotta. Well, not even that. I'm saying once once the spaceships are gone, humanity will never get spaceships back. No matter. How oh, long I, they I wait. see. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once it's up there, what do you? What's the plan? Well, they believe the pits on the moon are ideal for storage because uh, the pits run eighty to hundred meters underground, providing shelter from the surface of the moon, mm. which is constantly undergoing changes in temperature and would offer protection from radiation. Mm. Uh, so they seem to have a lot of plans for what they do on the moon, but how we get it back, I don't have any info here for you on this one. That's what I'm curious about. Uh, I don't have a Stephen King uh, news story this week. There just wasn't one. I went looking for one. Mm. However, Kev, the Snyder Cut is out this week on HBO. Uh, people say it's better than the old Justice League, but it's four hours long. What would it take uh, you to watch four hours of the Snyder Cut, Kevin? I mean, it's I know it's going to happen. I'll be here one day, and then it'll just happen. Uh, I mean, I'm not in any particular rush to see this, so you're not going to see no, it for me. Same. Uh, uh, and four hours, it's just, that's, I don't know. I don't care enough about it to watch it for four hours. If you're going to put something at four hours, you might as well turn it into a four-part one-hour series. Like, I, I just... You know what, I, though? Honestly, to be fair, I, I don't know about that, because... People say that, but then they'll sit there and they'll watch four episodes in a row. So was it just the psychological barrier yes. of like, hey, I need yeah. to see credits every hour? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. I, I swear to God, like I, I feel like people, if it's an hour in between, you can take a break, you can like check your phone, do whatever it is. Like to commit to something for four hours, that's you're not even sure you're gonna like like this. Like that's a lot to ask for somebody. And I'm sure people who are gonna commit four hours already like this and are already invested in it, but. I'd be stunned to commit four hours if I committed to four hours into this, even though I've watched the, the original. One. But if you know it was four hour long episodes, you wouldn't even blink. You're saying I'd be more inclined to watch one and see what the deal is, and if I liked it, maybe go uh, along. I, I think I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Fair but enough. Four hours seems like a a real no. I agree. Ego trip. I agree. I yeah. agree. It's horrible. Nobody needs it. Um, just for fun, I'm gonna run through this buzz buzz uh, feed list because I was reading about it this week. And I thought we'd get some good content out of it. This is uh, posted on March 13th. It was 101 things, we won't go through all of them, obviously, that 90% of the human population hates. I thought they were kind of negative on some of these. Kev, you ready? Sure. Number one, birthday dinners. I like a birthday dinner. I don't know why people are mad about I that. I understand what they mean, but like, I like a birthday dinner. Number two, splitting the check at a birthday dinner. That makes more sense. I think they're implying that it's a pain in the People hate splitting checks with people. Mm-hmm. I, this doesn't bother me because I always just split the bill evenly, regardless, yes. regardless yes. of what I've always. gotten, regardless of what I ever always, get. Always, always, always. They're usually if you're somebody. If you're somebody who, when the check comes and you're at a group dinner, and you're like, "Oh, well, actually, I only had uh, this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you know, these guys got sodas, <laughs> but I got water." I don't want to go to yeah. dinner with you. No, and I'm, don't honestly, go to I don't. I'm. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even mean it from. I understand that people have different financial situations yeah, you yeah, might be sure. you might be a little broke this time we're going out to dinner maybe i'll be a little broke another time we're out to dinner we can get past that if you have to order less or yeah, something yeah. like that's going on. i would literally rather pay for your entire meal <laughs> than sit here and negotiate yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna sit here and nickel and dime me over five dollars ten dollars and we're out to dinner i don't want to go to dinner with you we'll go to lunch we can order separately at the counter they'll send it out to us i'll meet you there for dinner, we're just going to be adults when we get the check. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. No, I think I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I've had this happen. This happened a lot in high school. Not as much as I get older. That's different. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We, we used you to don't get have any social etiquette. Nobody's yeah. got any money. Yeah. Nobody understands taxes. Um, all that stuff. I this, get it. This one speaks to me. Number four, dropping your phone in front of people or in public. I hate dropping my phone in public because it makes a loud-ass sound and everyone looks at you. Mm. Don't like it. 
And make sure I, I that one drives me nuts. This one like gets me actually. Mm. I do not like dropping my phone in front of people or in public. It make first first off it brings attention to that you're just on your phone not doing being a part of society. And number two, <laughs> it's always a clamoring mess. Uh, another one on this list: any sign of Christmas after December thirty first or before Thanksgiving. People hate that. Mm. Uh, when a car or motorcycle is loud on purpose. Yo, I do I do hate when like a car or a motorcycle is loud on purpose. No, that's just cool because that that's just it's a good way to know how cool that person is. It is a really good way to know exactly how cool somebody is. Yeah, exactly. It's a great point. Yeah. Uh the last thirty minutes of any workday when you're just sitting there doing nothing, I resent that. This is my favorite part of the day. Oh yeah. The, for the, sure. My favorite part of the day is the last thirty minutes. Bust balls of my work employees. Uh my associate employee contemporaries. <laughs> Uh, when anyone knocks on my front door, that eh, mostly. Yeah. Yeah. I, sure. I think my first inherent thought is like, yeah, no thanks. Uh, what else do we have in here? I guess here's a good place to stop. Uh, snacks that leave residue on your hand. Don't care for it. Not a fan. Not the best. When you sneeze while you're driving. This is a big one for me, especially as a guy with glasses. Every sneeze when I'm driving is like a real problem. Mm. <laughs> Uh, and that's, I think, probably where we'll stop. Maybe I'll come back for this one for next week. So there you go. Some things I, some things people hate. Uh, Kev, let's do, uh, let's do one mailbag question, and then we'll talk about our mixtape this week. Okay. Uh, mailbag question for this week. Personal hygiene rankings. Mm. Uh, what are your most enjoyable and least enjoyable personal hygiene habits? Well, this is an easy one. Number one, the shower is the best personal hygiene. Oh, yeah. There's no question. A shower is the most relaxing, uh, unwinding of all the personal hygiene uh, ranking. Well, it can be be anything you need, too. You know what I mean? Sometimes if you're not feeling great, you know, not just like the relaxing, unwinding after a long day, but sometimes you're not feeling great, a good shower can get you up and going and get you energized for the day. I used to hate brushing my teeth when I was a little kid. Mm. Um, As I get older, the toothbrush... Especially now that I got this electric toothbrush. Mm. And the mouthwash, one-two combo, is like a thing that I look forward to as I get older. Yeah, yeah. Like, at, sure. like you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I I think that's something I didn't always look forward to as a kid. But now as an adult, I'm like, I like that moment at the end where you're like, ah, yeah, my teeth feel so clean. I don't know. I, don't, I can't think of any where it's like, oh, I hate this. I hate washing my hands. Because I feel like if you, especially if I'm working in the kitchen, you got to wash your hands like 15 times. I'm cooking something. If I, you know what I mean, like, I get a little burned out on that after a while. Uh, I kind of hate getting a haircut. Mm, I like to get a haircut. I don't always like getting a haircut. I like to get a haircut. I don't like trimming my beard. That's a big pain in the ass. I don't trim my own beard. I trim my own beard. And it's a big mess. You'd think it'd be easy, but it's not. Your beard hair goes everywhere. It's a nightmare. Uh, you gotta clean the whole bathroom after you're done. It sucks. Mm. Uh, I'm really trying to think of anything else I'm missing. Yeah, it seems like a question. I don't know. I mean, there's... Yeah, I can't think of yeah, anything so where many... it's like, oh, this is annoying to do. Like, chores is one thing. But this oh, I of... do hate clipping my toenails because I got to go through that hassle of, like, collecting up all the toenails afterwards. It's a gross one. I don't care for that one. Mm. Not my favorite. Uh, all right, that's it. That's all I got for mailbag questions this week. Let's go to Spotify mixtape for the week. Kevin, uh, I have two songs, I guess, that I'm going to highlight this week. Uh, first one is The Jizza. Uh, with the track Shadow Boxing. Now, I've talked about the Jizza before on this show. I've probably other, put other Jizza songs on this mixtape. Mm. The reason I'm talking about it this week is a very particular reason. I was having a conversation with my older sister this week. Went to visit her at her house. We sat in the porch and we had a conversation about music. And what's I always find it weird when I'm listening to a genre, like a, an album that came out in 1995. Right in her wheelhouse of listening to music that she has no concept exists. 
Right. Like in '95, my sister would have been in the prime era of listening to like popular music for her. Right. Right. And yet, this album that I love so much, that's kind of outside of my realm of, I was only like, I was like ten when this came out. Right? I wasn't listening to hip hop. Yeah. I love this album. She didn't know at all that it ever existed. Didn't know who the Jizza was. It wasn't popular music. I get it, right. I know. Yeah. I know. I, but I always think it's interesting when like I bring up a, an album from an era where I feel like somebody would have at least vaguely heard of it and just didn't at all. Mm. Uh, so I put that one on because I was talking to my sister about it. And then the other one, I'm going with the track Adorn by Miguel. Because I forgot Miguel existed. And I like this track. Shout out to Dano. Uh, Kevin, which songs would you like to feature this week? Um, I'll give you two as well. I'm going to put a uh, shout out to our guest this week and talking about it. I'm going to put Let's Go Crazy by you Prince. Know it. You know it. Uh, we played that this weekend. We oh, played out man. for the first time in months and months and months. And we played that pretty early. Uh, and people did indeed go... Politely crazy, Politely crazy, standing at their yeah. tables with their masks on, but <laughs> let me tell you what, the people are ready. The people are ready for when yeah. everything comes oh, yeah. back, and it's, oh, yeah. it's part when you can really do some dancing and sweating. Um, and then I also put on um, the song Morning Glory off the Oasis hey. album, What's the Story, Morning Glory. So I listened to a podcast about that album that was uh, really funny and interesting, so I was going back and listening to some of them. And that's one of my like favorite optimal like Oasis tracks. You know, it's, it's got funny. all like this sneer that I really like from Oasis. It's funny, I didn't like this one when I was a kid. Mm. This was one that was like my least favorite album, song on the album when I was younger. And now as I get older, I appreciate it a lot more. Oh yeah, right. Like I think, mm-hmm. I think for me off that album, they're gonna get real into this album for a second. I think Hello is my favorite single Oasis track. Mm. Like I think it took me a while to pick an Oasis track this week. Uh, it was really, really yeah. hard. And I went through this album. I went through definitely maybe the Master Plan quite a bit. Uh, you can't really miss on this album. No, it's a great album. I could be wrong on this, and maybe you correct me before we head out here. I'm under the impression that the thing with this particular Oasis album, What's the Story of Morning Glory, is they recorded this like with a studio mic in like one room. It was not necessarily like recorded individually. Like, they recorded everything together in a room for this album. I can't speak to that at all. I'm I, I could sure. be. Maybe I'll do some research for next week on this. But I, I can't be all of it because I know a lot of the tracks that have, like, extra, like, I know Champagne Supernova and Wonderwall that have extra stuff outside of just the band. Okay. So maybe, maybe I'm. definitely punch ins and overdubs, but. So maybe I'm wrong, man. Maybe maybe I'll I'll, I'll do my, my due diligence on the research for next week. Mm. <laughs> I could be wrong. Uh, great album. I love it, though. All right. So next week, episode 300. Um, yeah. Really exciting stuff. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, shout out to Ben Burnell. You can follow him at OD underscore Burnell. Uh, you can also follow him at Utica OD underscore sports. We appreciate him spending some time with us. Uh, also shout out to Heather Waz. Um, TikTok, Heather Waz. TikTok. Uh, that's it. Sign our human. Oh, you can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts. Uh, taking over the web, you can go to uticast.com for all current and back episodes. You can follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan. You can follow me at underscore S. I'm sorry, just regular SF Doom. Or just follow the show at Uticast. Uh, that's it. Sign our humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. The tape machines are rolling. We will see you next week. Oh, look on Twitter for a potential uh, NCAA bracket for you folks who are interested in doing the bracket. Let's go, Syracuse. We will see you next week for another episode of the Uticast. Take care, folks, and be safe.